This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, the business station. This is Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM. My name is Rich Bradbury. As usual, I'm joined on the phone lines by the man with the news, Mr. Arif Ruse. Hello, everybody. And over in the ether somewhere is that other fella, Daniel Fernandez from DSF.my. Hello, Daniel. Selamat petang dan uh, thank you for listening in. Uh, so, uh, friends, welcome back to Cruise Control. Uh, and of course, as usual, to start off the show, it's the man with the news, Mr. Arif Ruse. There is quite a lot of news no. this week, of course. Um, for the folks in Klang Valley, welcome back to the MCO. <laughs> <laughs> so six districts in Selangor, which is basically almost all of them. KL is not under the MCO, but it doesn't matter, does it? Because we're right in the middle of Selangor anyway. Um, but the important thing is this will last from May 6th to May 17th, so right after Raya. And there will be no more tourism. Suspended. Suspended, yeah. No more green travel bubble. Uh, There's also been some news in the past month about a Malaysian EV roadmap in the works, but has stuff to do with like rumors of 10,000 tax-free CBU electric cars to be included in that proposal, apparently. But at the moment, it's not been widely reported. And Daniel says we shouldn't do anything about it. So we shall not. As usual, it's just a rumor. It's just a rumor. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But there was some pretty... Decent news, I think, this week. We haven't spoken about the government and their stuff in a while. And um, apparently, there will be no toll rate increase. If you remember, since the Perikata National Government took over, they were going to be introducing some new toll rates. Mm. Because back then in 2018, if you remember, all those years ago, Perikata and Harapan's promise to reduce and remove tolls on Malaysian highways uh, didn't really happen. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm thoroughly surprised by that. <laughs> So right now, the works minister said that all these planned toll rate increases isn't going to happen. It was supposed to happen on the 1st January of this year, but it's already May. It took them five months to announce this thing. Mm. Um, they initially planned to raise the toll rates of the Kursas Highway, LPT2, SKVE, but it's not going to happen. All the other 21 highways, not going to happen either. But we do have another interesting story this week, which came from the PDRM themselves. And they are proposing something called e-plates, also called microchip number plates. Interesting stuff. Come on then, Daniel, tell us more about this. Well, we have always thought, why can't we have standardized number plates in Malaysia in terms of look, feel, font, size? You understand what I'm saying, right? Yep. Now, everywhere else you go in the world, and when I say everywhere else, I mean really everywhere else, there is a standardized number plate country by country or at least district by district. Yeah. But in Malaysia, you can go to one little shop down the road, make your own fancy number plate, choose the size you want, the font you want, you know, have it italics or non-italics, have it lit up or not lit up. And this has been going on for such a long time. I remember almost 23 years ago, Mm. going to a little place in Tasmania and meeting someone who actually produces these number plates in metal, it's like embossed, and Mm -hmm. supplies it to the Australian Transport Department for the public to purchase. Yeah. So if you need a spare number plate, say your number plate broke or whatever, if you need a spare number plate, what you do is you basically go to that office, you fill in the form. Last time there was no internet. You fill in the form and they produce it and sell it to you. But it comes from one source. Now, I told that person, hey, 
this would be a brilliant idea for Malaysia, you know? <laughs> and I told him, you should come to Malaysia. He looked at me and he laughed. He said, well, I've been to your country a few times and this is not going to happen in the very near future. <laughs> <laughs> so since then, I've not seen anything. I've heard a lot of talk about getting it done. I know even when the previous government was in play, they wanted to do something like this, but it just didn't happen. Yeah. So um, like Daniel said, it has been announced since forever. I mean, there's a few commenters on the internet who said, oh, you know, 20 years ago, they said something, 15 years ago, they said something. But most recently, before the mention this week, it was mentioned three years ago in 2017. Mm. And what essentially it is, is just, you know, it's a standard registration number and it has guidelines of, like Daniel said, the font and everything, but it has a security microchip in it that apparently, quote unquote, helps prevent crime. It, it does, it does, because you, yeah. you can't clone the car. You you know, if you steal the car, you can't cross the border. Can I ask a simple question? Yes, I'm, sir. Being a silly foreigner in this country, why do we not have standardized number plates in this country? Why? <laughs> because there are 3,642 different shops just in Klang Valley who need to make money. I, I thought it was as simple as that, <laughs> but I was afraid to ask. <laughs> it is quite true, because we definitely do need these uh, standardized number plates, and and the problem, obviously, is if the government decides to, you know, centralize the production of it, there's always going to be the question of who's who gets to... paid. Yes. <laughs> well, you, you don't need to you see. The thing is, I understand there's a lot of corruption that can that be coming from this. But you can also make it standardized in such that the, the people making it is a government body. Yeah. Yeah. The people supplying the raw material is, you know part of a GLC or whatever. It doesn't matter if they make some money. They have to make some money. Yeah. But it could come from a government agency. Very simple. They produce the plates. Whenever you want to order a set, you can order online. And then you must destroy your old plates for the new plates to be given to you. So you go and do it like an exchange. So it'll be just like your, you know, your IC and your driving license when you want to get a new one, you know? Yeah. Apparently, there's some benefits to using this microchips inside your own place, especially if you're a cop, because instead of having to flag down a car and chase them down and say, you know, license registration, please, all they have to do is uh, scan the car. Beep, beep. Yep. And that's pretty much it. And then you get your registration number, your VIN and engine number as well, the name of the driver and the details that is registered to and all those yeah. stuff. So it's very useful. It's something that should be taken care of immediately, right? And you'll also know whether the car has still got a valid road tax and insurance. Yes. Um, which leads me to say that, you know, I guess this is quite an interesting opportunity for the government to kind of revamp the way we tax our cars, the way we register our cars. Correct. The whole back end, the data centers and all this stuff. Mm, It's a good opportunity to do such a thing. It'll also help with commercial vehicles because why? If a commercial vehicle is smoky, you can just check the microchip and see when was the last time they went to Pushpa.com to get their exhaust checked, you know? True. And see whether they have expired that or not and then, you know, send them a summons immediately. It almost sounds like we want to streamline things, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. You heard it here first, Dad. I did hear it here first. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, we think it's a good idea, right? Definitely. Please, government, do this. Very, very important stuff. But we do have a bunch of cars to go through. Uh, the yes. first which is a Mitsubishi Expander. And there is no real rival to it at the moment, right, Daniel? That's the thing. If the Toyota Sienta was still on sale, that'd be a real rival. The Honda BRV is slightly smaller and that's more like a crossover. Then you got the Toyota Innova, which is starting to look a little bit aged, but some would say a rival. The closest real rival, I would say, is the Nissan Serena, but that's mm. quite a bit more money, you know? So at 91,000 ringgit, this is why 10,000 Malaysians have already booked the Mitsubishi Expander. 
But didn't they launch this car like, you know, five, six months ago or something like that? Yes. And nothing has been delivered yet? Oh, they've delivered more than more than 2,000 units. But I'm just saying, you know, 10,000 bookings for something like this makes you think because why? Proton claims they got 40 over 1,000 bookings of the Proton X50. Yeah. Then Perdua has got 50,000 bookings of the Ativa, you know? Mm, yeah. So still pretty decent because those are much more popular vehicles and yet still Malaysians are moving towards a family vehicle. I kind of like this thing. I drove past one this morning on the way to work. It doesn't look like it'll, it will fall apart because sometimes, you know, <laughs> sometimes you look at these MPVs. <laughs> Always a good thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not to kick the Toyota Avanza, but the Toyota Avanza feels like, you know. I don't know. I'm just looking at some of the shots that are up on Daniel's website here. Inside for me uh, looks a little bit. Mm, it's black on black. Black basically. on black, a little bit plasticky. It is, it is. But in 91,000 ringgit, that's what what I was you, expect. you get what you pay for, right? Yes. So. Um, as mentioned, you know, the Honda BRV, which is more like a crossover. Um, there is apparently a new concept from Honda that will apparently be the second generation of the BRV, and it's called the N7X. And <laughs> the acronym is a bit weird. N7X stands for New Seven Seater Excitement. <laughs> oh, and they launched this in Indonesia, world world unveiling in Indonesia. Oh, that's interesting. Mm. It looks pretty good, right, guys? It does look pretty. It actually looks like a scaled down HRV. Good point. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, sleeker, lower, smaller. But of course, it's been stretched to accommodate seven seats. I would prefer this over the Expander, definitely. Well, if it comes, I think it'll be a super hot seller for Honda. Yeah. Honda didn't reveal anything else other than the way it looks for this yes. new N7X. So we can't really talk much about it. But it is a very interesting car to look forward to, mainly because I think it looks like an SUV, looks like a wagon. It doesn't look like a panel van, which is a very, very positive thing. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, from a different part of the planet, uh, we have a new Hyundai. Yes. And, you know, the Hyundai Elantra... Um, we've spoken a lot about Hyundai's overarching strategy in Malaysia and how they're bringing CBU cars and very, very premium units. Um, so what Hyundai is doing, Hyundai Malaysia is doing, is they're bringing the Elantra in a slightly cheaper variant. And this variant is, I forget what it's called, but it costs 140,000 ringgit and is 19,000 ringgit lower than the Elantra Premium, which puts it into the same price bracket as the top-end Corolla. Yes, actually the Corolla is slightly less. And this is the thing, because the Corolla and all the other rivals, like they're all local assembled. So Hyundai has got a tough game to play right now to maintain a lead in sales. And I think no matter how good this car looks or how good it drives or the technology in it, you're not going to see thousands of bookings. You're going to see maybe a couple of hundred at best. Despite, you know, being 19,000 ringgit cheaper, the engine is almost exactly the same. So 1.6 liter smart stream engine that makes about 120 horsepower, just enough for, you know, running about in the Klang Valley. 154 newton meters of torque and something called an intelligent variable transmission. Because this is the cheaper model, you don't get power seats or heated or cooled seats, which quite interesting you get it in a United Elantra um, you don't get leather you don't get a fully digital know cluster you don't even get a wireless charger or the full suite of Hyundai safety systems instead you kind of get half of that so you still get blind spot monitoring cross traffic alert fabric seats and you still retain all the functions of the center screen which includes CarPlay and Android Auto the thing with this car is that um, when it was launched I thought it was very pretty but now Seeing a few on the road. Oh, you see the the shots that I'm looking at. It, it does look pretty. I, I I like the front end. I like the nose of it. It looks you know fairly aggressive and open ended. <laughs> um, but 
Yeah, I don't know. I've not seen it on the road. So, uh, Daniel? I love the look, the front look of the car. I love the interior of the car, but I'm not totally taken by the rear. But, you know, like I always say, looks are very, very subjective. Mm. I don't know. It just reminds me of Predator for some reason. Mm. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, now I've seen it. Okay, um, we should probably take a break here at this point. Uh, we've still got more uh, cars to come through. We've got the uh, DS3 Crossbike to talk about uh, shortly uh, and a look at the uh, the Honda, the new Honda Civic. Uh, a little mm-hmm. bit of a chat about that. Of course, before we get to our car review, which is a Jaguar today. Yeah. It's all coming up after the break here on Cruise Control on BFM 89.9. Because freedom matters. BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, the business station. This is Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM. I'm Rich Bradbury. I'm joined here on the phone lines by... Arif Roos, hello. And that other fella? Daniel Fernandez from dsf.my. Good evening. Good evening. Uh, now, uh, just before the break, we were speaking about the uh, Hyundai Elantra. Uh, gets a slightly cheaper variant. Uh, we had a little bit of a chat about the N7X and the Mitsubishi Expander, and of course, some news across the Klang Valley. Uh, but we've still got more to get through. We've got the uh, DS3 to talk about now. Um, tell us more about it. Um, this is the second most important DS. The most important is, of course, Daniel Sherman Fernandez. <laughs> <laughs> Um, honestly, um, you know, because Bajai Auto Alliance was going to come in and take over the Peugeot brand, I thought DS was just going to go, you know, pack up and disappear. But apparently, they have been seen testing the new DS3 Crossback, which is a small crossover. And it's a pretty fun looking crossover, right, Daniel? It is. It's very, very... I would say DS is basically the luxury division of Citroen, just like how Toyota has Lexus as their luxury division. Because the, the fit and finish of these vehicles, even... The previous DS7 Crossback, when they launched it, the interior was just amazingly high quality. But the thing is, this car was spotted in Malaysia a couple of times. The second time it was spotted right in in the heart of Kuala Lumpur, there was some rumor that it might be launched. Now, we all know that the Peugeot 288, which is very close relative to this vehicle, is already being tested in Malaysia and will be launched very shortly. So whether the DS3 will come into Malaysia, we're not sure. Now, why is it being tested here? PSA has an office here. So if they're going to launch a car in the region, say Indonesia, Singapore, or wherever else, they will do their field testing in Malaysia. So this could be a field test vehicle, number one, or it could be actually launched in Malaysia, maybe not in a big way, maybe in a very small way, because it will not be cheap. For example, if the Peugeot 288 comes in at, say, 130,000 ringgit, okay? Just mm-hmm. for argument's sake, let's say 130,000 ringgit. Something like this, which is a close relative in terms of engine size, body panels, everything. But because it's got a very high quality interior and finish, it'll probably cost 40,000 ringgit more. Looking at how bespoke and how awesome it looks. Right. Especially the interior, right? Especially the interior, you know, it would be, I guess, about 170, 180. But if I had that kind of money and I needed a city runabout or if I was, you know, single and doing things by myself, this would be a very, very perfect car. This is basically a direct rival to a basic mini. Mm. You know, it's funky, it's stylish, it's, you know, the two-tone colors, yeah. the, the detailing. So it's very hard to gauge consumer response on, on a DS. 
Well, this car is being marketed by DS themselves as a city vehicle and a long distance family lifestyle vehicle, which essentially means you can just go long distance. <laughs> uh, <laughs> when you know, you're allowed to. When, whenever you're allowed to, yes. Um, of course, Daniel mentioned about how big this car is, but I think what's interesting is what's powering this car. And it's a 1.2 liter, three cylinder turbo, 153 horsepower, which is... Very, very plenty for a smallish crossover like this. Yes. Um, and they say an EV is coming soon. And I really, really love it. I mean, it's got I a like lot the of... look of it, yeah. 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 Very, very nice French flair. Oh-ho. 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 I don't want to say anything else. <laughs> sorry, 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 French people. We apologize. <laughs> we should move on to the yes. Honda Civic. <laughs> yes. We should move on. The Honda Civic. Um, what's happening here? Uh, the most fun to drive Civic in its 50-year history, apparently. It claims, right, yeah. Daniel? Right. All new Civic, again, coming in, looking very, very modern, very, very striking. But personally, I'm not taken by the design. I mean, the global press has given it raving reviews of the design, but I'm more taken by the interior. I look at the interior, and that's a Honda Accord interior. Yep. You're right, yes. Yeah. Yes. And that's not a bad thing, right? Yeah, it's premium. It's, it's a beautiful interior. Looks beautifully detailed. But the exterior, I, I need a bit more time. I need a bit of time. Well, the exterior, in terms of dimensions at least, it's longer, wider, bigger in every way. And um, you can't get over the fact that, you know, what used to be small cars in the past is now a sizable family car. Now, if, if you look at it from the side and you squint ever so slightly, I've got images of a BMW 3 Series. <laughs> yes. Mm, a little bit. A little bit. Just, little just bit. Trim, trim the nose a little bit, you know, a little, a little bit yeah, steeper. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. it's got a it's got the front snooty nose like yeah. the three series and uh, slightly raised. The raised rear. back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I quite like it. I've got to admit, I, I like it from the side. I like it from the the three quarter front view. Mm. Uh, I'm just not so keen on it straight on. From the front. I mean, that's fair enough. But like Daniel says, it's, it's very subjective whether or not you like the looks yep. of it. I personally like it because it reminds me of uh, the old CD500 car, which is uh, very square. It's got slim lights, small grille, square digits. To me, those are the Hondas that I grew up with, you know. Mm. You're so, right, Arif. Yeah, I just, I just noticed that in the lines, yes. Right? I, mean, I think it's pretty handsome. I'm not quite sold on it, but it's... I it's think, not the ugliest of things. Yes. It's far from being ugly. It's just that, you know, I, I think the current, the current Civic it's such a flamboyant design mm-hmm. and then this is so conservative good choice of words with flamboyant there speaking, <laughs> of, speaking of things all conservative um, should we move on to our car review I think we should yes um, it, it's a Jaguar this is where he's going to tease me about how it used to be an English car. I don't, I don't want to say anything. You know, if, if you follow Daniel on, on Instagram or on Facebook, he's been posting about that all week. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I know. The thing is, you know, when, when I collected this car, when I went to the showroom to collect this car, the first thing that came to mind was, what am I going to say on, on air with Richard Bradbury? Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the finest British motto owned by Indian Tata. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever, like get on with the review, will you? <laughs> okay, okay. Anyway, I got to say this is this is Jaguar at its finest. Now, why I say at its finest because the former XC was already a nice compost vehicle, but this one, I know if you look at it, you'll probably not notice it's new, right? This seems almost exactly like the old one, and the old one was very pretty, and this is also very pretty. So, yeah. but what they've done is they've just tweaked it so little. It's like it's like Porsche when they took the nine eleven. You really can't tell the difference. Mm. 
Yeah. So what they've done is the British designers, it's still designed in UK, built in UK, mind you. So it's yep. still a very British car. It's just that the Indians have put money into it and financed the whole thing. So this Jaguar has been tweaked, trimmed. It's almost like a facelift, but then no panel is the same. Even the door panels are not the same. Mm. And the lights, the lights and the front nose has actually been taken from the F-Type sports car. Uh-huh, yeah. So if you look at the F-Type sports car coming at you in the rearview mirror, and then you see this coming, you, it will be a bit difficult for you to tell the difference because even the, the greenhouse, the whole sedan shape, it's the silhouette. It's very sports car-like. I agree. So only from the side view will you notice that this is a sedan because from the front, it looks like the F-Type. Even the height is just slightly taller than the F-Type. Mm-hmm. So Jaguar Land Rover introduced this car last year. And we saw it first at the Singapore Motor Show. It did make a lot of noise because there were more exciting things happening at the Singapore Motor Show. And, you know, Jaguar Land Rover, they've not been doing, in terms of sales, they've not been doing great numbers in this part of the world. So it didn't make a lot of noise. And then we thought, okay, it'll come to Malaysia eventually. So early this year, they quietly brought it into Malaysia. There was no big launch, no big event, nothing. They just issued the press release. They set the price. And, you know, I would actually say most of the press actually didn't even bother even running the press release because of the price. I have to share the price right now because then only I get into review because the price is a shocker. 395,000 ringgit. That is, to put it into perspective, Volvo S60 is 300,000. Mm. Exactly. BMW 330i, 300,000. Mm. BMW M340i, which is the high spec one, is about 410. So this is right in between the mid-range BMW and the top-range BMW. Yes. And the thing is, you see, okay, when Jaguar puts out an XE, the target market around the world are people who buy BMW 3 Series, Mercedes C-Class, Audi A4, A5, and Lexus IS. Mm. Now, this car is priced a little bit too high in our market. But if you go to Europe, and if you see the pricing in Europe, it's all very fair. If you go to Australia and you see the pricing, it's very fair. If you go to Singapore, it's all very close. So for Malaysia, I had to tweak the whole understanding of this market range. So I would say the, in terms of price, the closest rival is the BMW 340iX drive, yep. which is 423000 uh, but that's local assemble. And then there's the local assemble Mercedes AMG C43. Yep. And that's at 386000 It's lower. Then, of course, you get the fully imported Audi A5 Sportback at 376000 mm. Okay, That's a, a slightly closer rival. But let's not forget our Swedish meatball, the Volvo S60 T8. Okay? The most powerful of the lot, the most well-equipped, all the belts and whistles, and it's only 295000 So technically, this XE has to beat out the Volvo. But the Volvo... First of all, it's local assemble, so one tax reduction, plus it's a plug-in hybrid, so there's another big tax reduction. Right. So if you took all these cars and put it together with the Jaguar in a fair economy, it'll all be about the same price, and in fact, the Jaguar might even be cheaper. Yep. Okay. So let's, let's put all that aside. Let's get back to the review. So I took this car out straight in. I'm, I'm not a tall guy like Richard Bradbury, and I'm not a, a slim guy like, like Arif, so... This car was a little bit snug for me, but height-wise, it was perfect. You know, because of the low ceiling. You get what I mean? Yeah. You get nice sports seats. You get in immediately. The first thing you notice 
is that beautiful new steering wheel. I mean, I was taken by the steering wheel. This is a steering wheel that was that is being used in the Jaguar electric crossover, the I-Pace. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's a beautiful steering wheel. Right behind it are two beautiful to the touch milled chrome satin finish pedal shifters it just screams british quality yes and you got that nice leather you know i mean i mean (laughs) seriously a couple of cows gave their lives for this interior (laughs) you know beautifully trimmed interior high quality fit and finish everywhere is nice but again you must understand it doesn't have the toys and the fascination of, say, the Mercedes twin flat screen on the dashboard or the BMW huge infotainment system screen or, you know, even like the Volvo has got that nice center console infotainment screen, you know? Yeah. Everything here is very discreet, very, uh, oh, hello, good evening, put a kettle on, I'll have a cup of tea, you know, that kind of thing, you know? Hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I would use the word quiet snobbery. Conservative <laughs> is what we were going for. Conservative, <laughs> come on. <laughs> no, but it's, it's, I like it because you know why? It's not in your face, you know? Yeah. It's not in your face. It's not loud. It's, you know, when you drive at night, you don't have this bright, glaring screen in your face, you know? Understated. Understated. That's the right word. So I would say the younger generation will not appreciate this cabin. Let's ask somebody from the younger generation, yes. Eric. No. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I mean, because it is very pretty, you know, it looks very comfortable, it looks quality and all that stuff, but it kind of lacks that Mercedes, you know, what do you call it? Panache. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Arif wants everything flashing. Yes. You and see- with lots of lights. And right. Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> uh, yes. A glowing keyboard and RGB <laughs> lighting. And- yep, yep, yep. Okay. All right. You see, if you go to DSF, you'll see the pictures. Normally, when I take pictures of, of a new car interior, I like to have the lights on so you see all the colors and the brilliance and everything. But I actually took a couple of pictures of the of the dashboard switched off, you know? Mm-hmm. And I did that because I want to show you, if everything is switched off, this actually looks like, like a Jaguar that was 15, 20 years ago, you know? Mm. Yeah. It's not flash in your face. I guess something to appreciate is that, you know, because of all these cars, they have these little levers for to change gear. This is a proper gear shifter, you know. Yes. I guess is something quite more traditional, is more it's cooler, I guess, in, in some sense. Right. But it's very functional. Everything works, everything is very clear, everything is very straightforward. There's nothing lacking in this vehicle. Apple to Apple with all its competitors, you know, wireless charging, Apple Apple CarPlay, Android Auto, multifunction steering wheel, pedal shifters, uh, touch screen, you name it, everything is there. It's just done in a very proper, discreet way. And you see, you don't see ugly things sticking out of the dashboard. Everything is built into the dashboard, nicely laid out, you know? Mm. Yep. So it caters to a slightly older, more distinguished gentleman like myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, so that's the interior. How, how did you, you like the drive of it, Daniel, the, the feel of it on the road? Okay, so I got in the car. Now, this there's only one one variant in Malaysia. Now, when they first launched the car a few years ago, they had two variants. They had a 200 PS variant and they had a supercharged variant for 340 PS. This time, they only have one variant and it's called R-Dynamic. It's using a 2-liter engine, but it's a new 2-liter engine. And this engine has 300 PS, but it's got 400 Newton meters of torque. Yep. Okay? And the torque comes in very early at 1,500 RPM. It's got an 8-speed auto gearbox it does zero to 105.7 seconds now the moment you get into this car you get yourself comfortable you find a bit of open road i was lucky enough because there was no heavy traffic i had the subang highway i i pulled out i pushed it a little 
and the response is good. Of course, you got eco mode and comfort mode, but I put into dynamic mode. And when you put in dynamic mode, the steering gets a bit tighter, the gear shifts are faster, the, the whole handling package changes, and this rear-wheel drive sports sedan comes alive. Now, mm. I had it for four days. I drove a lot out of it. Even though I couldn't travel outstation, I went into the city, drove around at night, and this car is actually a lot of fun. But every time I met someone or someone met me and they said, you know, how much is this car? The moment I mentioned the price, you could see the face go like, are you crazy? Are you <laughs> sure? Did you get your figures wrong? <laughs> Nobody guessed it to be above 250000 it, it probably has to do with, I don't know, I don't want to say the way it's packed, but it probably has to do with the way it's packed because it kind of looks normal. Exactly. So this is what I call a sleeper. Because if you see it on the road, you won't even bother trying to chase it. But if it overtook you while you're doing 150 on the highway, you'll want to chase it and you'll be thinking, what car is this, you know? Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't have wide wings, it doesn't have a big spoiler, it doesn't have big wheels. It looks chunky, it doesn't look as angular and athletic as the yeah. C-Class or the BMW, I guess. Yes. And the thing is, it doesn't show your wealth. You know, if you buy a BMW, people say, oh, this guy's got money, you know, because he, he works for BFM. And then if you drive a Mercedes, they say, oh, he's definitely in the management of BFM. If you drive an Audi, they say, oh, he, he owns the whole management of BFM, you know? But... But if you drive a Jag, you know somebody who works at BFM. Yeah, it's called Richard Bradbury, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's very understated. And I think it's a lot of class in a car, but... I don't see Malaysians appreciating it, even if they brought the price down to 300,000 ringgit. I'm talking 100,000 ringgit price slice. That means they said, okay, never mind, we'll sell this car at a loss. I mm. don't think there'll be any more people coming to buy it. I think it's incredibly niche. And I think there's only going to be a few people who are going to be buying it. And those are, you know, the real Jag lovers. Yeah. I guess it brings up a a wider discussion of Jaguar. Does it really vibe with Malaysians per se? Well, I mean, mean, even even just looking at the the body shape of it and and the way, it doesn't even look like a Jag to me, you know? I mean, in my head, I have that traditional look of a Jag. Because you want to see the round lights, you want to see the big grille. Exactly. And I look at this and I'm like, it looks not quite Japanese, uh, but it has a, a very Eastern influence to it. Yep. Totally I, don't, I don't know if that's just me, but you know. Are you saying because it's Indian owned? <laughs> no. <laughs> but I, I totally understand that because, uh, you know, the XE has been around for what, six years, seven mm. years now, right, Daniel? And yes. To me, the only two cars that still look like Jaguars are the XF and the XJ. And those maybe is because the design language kind of works better with a bigger car rather than a smaller car. And maybe that's just what it is. No, I think you're right. Yeah? Yeah. But yeah, I, I don't know. Like one, one of the things that people love to talk about when they talk about the Jaguar XE is that how much better it drives than every one of its competition. They say, you know, you sit lower in the car, you feel a bit more involved. And like Daniel said, the steering wheel is really nice. It's a fun car to drive. And people say, if you want something that drives well, you don't call BMW anymore. You call it Jaguar, Uh, at least in the UK, you know. Yeah, but actually BMW handling is still good. And Mercedes have have come up to that level. And, you know, Volvo used to be known as, you know, ah, boring, you know, but their handling also with the S60, it's just... Is just amazingly good, just like all the others. Because why? Technology has come so far forward. These cars are no longer, you know, being driven by a, an enthusiast. It's driven by someone who's just got a license because handling is all done by electronics and machinery, you know? Yeah. But if you get into a Jaguar like this, there's, there's still the element of, you know, being able to throw the tail a little bit. When you throttle down really hard on a wet surface, the back will just, you know, just nip out a little bit and then it's back in, in play, you know? 
Playful like a cat. Yes, and this is things you want in a car when you're a real driving enthusiast. I'm so lucky to be able to drive so many different cars week in, week out. I tell you guys, really, it, it, sometimes it gets so boring. <laughs> I, I struggle to find the words to put down, you know, even 500 words, you know. But when you get something fun-filled, when you get something of a little bit of, you know, amusement park, you know, mm-hmm. and it's not so tech-filled. I mean, I understand it's still traction control and everything else, but the fact that they let the tail just nip out a little bit if you really want it to, brings a smile to your face when you drive, you know. It still feels analog, I guess. Yes, because in my garage, my cars are all analog. And I'm so used to driving analog cars. When I get into a tech-filled car, I'm, I'm bored. Yep. Yes, straight line speed. If you get a Italian powerhouse, V8, twin turbo, poof, you can just go. If you mm. get a German V8, twin turbo, poof, you can just go. If you get a twin-engine car with a huge plug-in hybrid motor running, poof, you can go, you know? Yeah. But where is the driver enjoyment? You're just having neck-wrenching speed. I guess that's a really, really good way to put it because the Jag XE seems a bit more simplistic in that way. Yes. It's more focused in, in terms of how you would drive it and how it presents itself. In It doesn't wear technology on its sleeves. That's just... You know. And you see, the thing is, you know, okay, like, say for now, Richard has got a, a, a used BMW, right, Richard? Yes, sir. Okay. Now, that old BMW, you know, if you're sitting in heavy traffic, you just put it in D and you just drive, like, you just coast along. Like. It doesn't matter whether you're in a... $400,000 car, a million dollar car, or a $50,000 car, you're just in traffic jam, right? Yeah, the most true. important thing is how comfortable your rear end is on the seat and how cold the aircon is. Mm. Next comes whether your entertainment is sounding good enough, okay? Because you're in heavy traffic. Now, when you get an open road, like say an old road to Kuala Slango or Kuala Klawang or something like that, and you decide that you want to have a little bit of a driving experience, you can put it into manual mode and you can get that excitement from your old car, right? Yeah, yeah. Now, this is what this Jaguar delivers. In traffic, you put it in D and you just be like everybody else, you know? Mm. And you just smile because you, you're, you're, you're on softer leather, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but the moment the road opens up or, you know, it's late at night and you think, you know, I just I want, I want to go back to being 21 years old and a little bit reckless, you know? And this is when this XC, I, I can't say some of the things on air because, <laughs> but, you know, it entertains you, you know, gentlemen? And this is what is missing in a lot of new cars. That's all I'm saying. All right, on that note, I think we should probably wrap up for the evening. Yep. yep. Okay, ladies and gents, you have been tuned into Cruise Control, of course, the car show here on BFM. If you missed any part of the show, don't forget you can download the podcast and have a listen back at your leisure. We suggest using the BFM app. It's available the Apple App Store or Google Play. We've been giving you some news about e-plates, no toll rate increases, the Mitsubishi Expander, the Hyundai Elantra, the DS3 Crossback, the Honda Civic, of course, that car review there was a Jaguar XER Dynamic. That's all the time we have for today. We'll be back same time, same place next week. My name is Rich Bradbury. On behalf of Arif Ruse and Daniel Fernandez from DSF.my, this has been Cruise Control on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.